Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into a new week of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I'm joined by Tom Peavy on the show today. We have a full three-hour show planned for you. A lot to recap from another weekend in the sports world. Uh, unfortunately, we're not able to have a of Kevin Ives on today, but we will recap Auburn baseball series at Alabama, which did not go the Tigers' favor after winning game one. We're not able to win either of the games in the weekend lost that series got to fill you on fill you in on a lot of portal stuff uh, as the football transfer portal is open important thing we've got to discuss about sec transfers in just a moment uh, and then also a lot more happening the college basketball transfer portal you know auburn uh, as we talked a little bit about on the friday show had the decommitment from patient uh, peyton marshall reason to believe that that was a very mutual uh, decommitment as Auburn has got uh, some big fish that they are trying to bring in to the Plains and basketball. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Also recap some of the other sports this weekend. No, Tom watched a little USFL. I watched a little NBA and NASCAR. Uh, and of course, we'll have best and worst of the weekend that might uh, relate to some of that a little bit later too. And of course, all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally, toll free, one tiger 9 Tom Peavy again with me. As I'm Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Tom, I hope you had a great weekend, sir. Hey. Good to see you. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be back in studio. And I, Yeah, I mean, it was a good weekend. Uh, a lot of work this weekend. So uh, my my sports was my sports intake was varied. Uh, not one thing that I just focused on. Like when the Masters was playing, I focused on the Masters. But this weekend, it was kind of a lot of flipping around. Uh, watched, watched some Braves, kept up with Auburn. That's just a bad series loss right there. And, I mean, now you, this team is in – really desperation mode if you you start thinking about postseason that, that's a bad series loss for the tigers uh softball with a very impressive series win over lsu uh and uh you know I, that coach has been very maligned by a lot of the auburn fan base and that and that was a big series win there so uh yeah just a, a lot of different things to discuss but i mean that's kind of where we're at we're in that we're in that time of the year where there's just so many things going on in so many different sports, whether it be the, the college ranks, there's so much crossover between finishing up with kind of some winter sports and then going into the spring sports. Uh, you've still got NBA, you, you've got all the basketball, you got the baseball, just NASCAR, golf, yeah, the, the different football leagues that are still playing. I mean, yeah, it's just so much to talk about. Yeah, it, it might not be the exact cup of tea, for everyone out there who's diehard Auburn supporters, just because the, the football is gone, the basketball uh, and the college variety is gone, 
Uh, but still, the sports world at large has a lot going on, and, and Auburn still has a lot of things going on with the portal and with the spring sports. No equestrian finished second uh, at nationals. They, they lost to SMU yep. uh, in the title uh, meet, but uh, still good season for equestrian. Golf's still going on, but yes, baseball and softball with uh, kind of the inverse series. Both series were, we can lead off with this, both series were very much 50-50 in terms of, I I feel like, the caliber of teams. Alabama and Auburn and baseball came in with the exact same SEC record to that series. Auburn and LSU came in in softball with very similar SEC records. LSU was ranked a little bit higher. I think they were ranked 12th and Auburn was 23rd. Uh, but But very similar SEC records. And so Auburn softball being at home, able to get the two out of three win in the series in a very triumphant uh, and long game three, Auburn baseball, while starting with a first win, they were in Tuscaloosa, and they were not able to pull out either the second or third games uh, with the bats going quiet for the first time really in about a month uh, since Auburn had, yeah. had hit that poorly. Uh, and sometimes it goes that way in baseball. But, yeah, Tom, just kind of, I guess, uh, give us a rundown now of, of where things stand. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, with baseball, that that was a series that Auburn desperately needed to win because when you look at how heavy the SEC is, I mean, there's teams that Auburn still has to play that are just flat out better than Auburn is. I mean, LSU is is a juggernaut right now, number one team in the country, uh, and Auburn still has other really tough series. South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. Is, Top five, I think. Yeah, so – uh, for Auburn, in order to get themselves in postseason position, they had to win a series like that against Alabama. I don't think Alabama. I don't think they had won an SEC series all season. Uh, the the record. I'll double check. They were had the same four and eight record that, that Auburn did. Right. The re, I think the records may have been the same, but I don't. I don't know that Alabama had won an SEC series. Um, I'm looking to confirm. Hang on. Yeah. No. But, uh. Well. Nope. It does not look like they did. It looks like they had won one in all four series. They'd won. They'd gone one and two in all four. Of their there you series. go. Yeah. So, uh, I and I get it. It was in Tuscaloosa, but I but I think Auburn is better than Alabama is uh, talent wise. Uh, it, it's, that's just unfortunate. And and listen, I know there's there's the injuries. I mean, the pitching staff has just been a, a kind of a scramble mismatch of trying to figure out who you're going to throw because you've had injuries. Uh, that have really played a role, but uh, it's just unfortunate. I mean, the pitching was not that bad that you know you didn't see Auburn just get absolutely shelled uh, like you've seen them. You know, with other teams putting up you know dang near twenty runs on them or twenty runs, but the bats went away, and that's just when it, whenever you're already struggling at the on the mound with guys, you have to have the those guys at the plate, and so when they go quiet. That's just the perfect storm for bad baseball right there. And it's just unfortunately it came to your arch rival. Uh, you hate that, but it's also just like I said, the fact that it was a series that Auburn desperately needed to win to put them in a better position because now you're in, I think Butch Thompson even called it a, quote, must-win type situation now. I mean, they Auburn has no leeway. They have no waiver room they've got to start winning if they want to be in the postseason because right now it's not looking that way. There's some stat, and I, I don't remember uh, how much it declines, but it's something around like if you go better than 12 and 18 in SEC play, like you're almost always in the tournament. But then the moment you drop to like 12 and 18, 
that's when it starts to become a very slippery slope. Yeah. And Auburn at just five and ten halfway through play, that's on track to be ten and twenty. That would not let them in the NCAA tournament. And, no. and in a matter of fact, they'd be hoofing it just to make sure they go to Hoover to in the, the first place. Right. Uh, two teams do not make Hoover. Right now, that would be Ole Miss, who's three and twelve. Then it would be Georgia, who's four and eleven. But next at five and ten is Missouri, who Auburn's yet to play. Tennessee, who's having a weird, that, weirdly bad SEC yeah. run of it. And then Mississippi State and Auburn. The significance there is Auburn still has three of those four teams uh, that I just listed and the five and ten route or worse. They've still got Ole Miss. They've still got Mississippi State. That's the series this weekend. And they've still got Missouri, uh, the last series of the year. Right. Now, their other two series are gigantically difficult as they've got South Carolina and LSU, two of the top five or six teams in the country. Uh, but they do have series with teams right around them. Now, the problem with that, okay, the good news is, okay, those are teams not playing their best either. The problem with that is if those teams want to beat you and they want to go to Hoover and you and you end up out of Hoover, that's who they are in direct control of that. Like right. if Auburn loses series to Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Missouri, they're out. They're not making that either. Uh, it's a good thing. Well, Auburn took two out of three against Georgia, right? Yes. But maybe uh, blew one of the games in that series, yeah. or am I misremembering that? I, I think they did. You see how important that series win was because Georgia's four and eleven, Auburn's five and ten. If they had lost one more game in that, Auburn would be four and eleven, Georgia would be five and ten, and Auburn would be on the outside looking in. But that sets up a big series this weekend against Mississippi State. State's five and ten in the SEC, but they just swept Ole Miss. Yeah. They just had a huge series. They set their attendance record at Duty Noble. Uh, most people have ever been there. I think it was on the Saturday game. They had a walk-off winner, and so they won three in a row against their arch rival. This is probably the worst time to play Mississippi State is right. on the heels of a of a sweep against their arch rival. But it's a series that you must have because again, this is I'm just talking about the Hoover perspective kind of right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to get there first, right? You got to get <laughs> if you don't qualify for Hoover, you're definitely not making the NCAA right. tournament. But Auburn now at 2015 and one, and look, USC's ended up being a pretty decent team. I think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team, from what I've read. So that was a a nice series to have. But man, that tie hurts. You know, if, if they had had that extra win against a good team, 21 and 15 right now, every game counts. But at 2015 and one, just being a few over 500, let's kind of break this down. Again, they need to get to like 12 conference wins realistically, and the way you do that is you win series against Missouri, against Ole Miss, and against Mississippi State. If you win all three of those series, which, again, I've just told you they're 5-10 and 10 or worse in the SEC, that's six of the conference wins you need. Yep. Then you've got to find one against South Carolina or and or LSU, which is not a given. Sweeps are very possible when you play those teams. They already got swept by Arkansas, so it's definitely possible, but they, already went, they did go to Florida – and win a game. Ford is 11 and 4 in the SEC, and, and Auburn went down there and, and got one. So you can get one. It is baseball, and one can happen. But that emphasizes, as you said, with Butch Thompson saying, must win these all three of those series because that's a six and three mark. And then you're going to assume you're only going to get one, maybe two total out of the final six. Again, playing all the math, if you take those three series. You win two, that's six. That's 11 conference wins. You get one more, that's 12. That might be enough. 
if you win your midweek games. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, the math starts to get complicated there. Uh, but I think Auburn is, is safe to say each series that they play against Mississippi State, Missouri, and Ole Miss, they, they got to win those series. Yeah. I, I wanted to point out, we had mentioned the Georgia series, and just to clarify something, yeah, Auburn, uh, oh, let's see. So Auburn won the first two of those, 7 uh, 6 six, three, but then Georgia beat them 24-7. That, but that one. was a close game until the uh, the fourteen spot. Was that what that was? Didn't Georgia uh, have fourteen or seventeen? I, maybe there's a good reason we mentally blocked this. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the game Georgia scored like two touchdowns in one in inning. one inning. It may have been, and because it was something about it was shocking. It, anyway, Auburn did what they had to do in winning two out of three there, but you see the importance of what would have happened if they did not because then they would not have a tiebreaker, and then they'd be the ones in 13th, not in a tie for 10th right, right. now. Uh, and, and that's just what one game did. Are you are you clicking on the box? To, to I, uh, I'm just – what I'm looking at, I'm also just looking at the fact of uh, just what a bad run of things are. Because the other thing that's hurting Auburn also – when you start thinking about Nashville, we were just talking about the SEC series. You know, they've dropped their two, their last two midweek games. They got beat by UAB and got beat by Georgia Tech. Right. And so those midweek games are going to hurt you when you start thinking national seeding. But uh, UAB is a bad loss. Georgia Tech was the opportunity for a good win. Right. I did look this up. Okay, here's what happened that Auburn-Georgia game. Not to make everyone relive this. Yeah. Auburn had been down 8-2 uh, to two in that game. And they cut it to 8-7. Okay, one-run game. No one scored in the seventh before Georgia scored 16 Oof. in the eighth and made it 24-7. to That's why two touchdowns and a field goal won it. It's because Georgia scored 16 in the eighth, which is, in hindsight, because that was, what was that, the first or second series of conference play? In hindsight, that should have told us all we needed to know. Because it, it doesn't really matter who you run out there. You probably shouldn't let the other team score 16 times before you get three outs. You know, just a general rule, general rule of thumb, the pitching staff not destined to be great when, when that many are crossing on plate. But, but here's where Auburn stands right now, that just what we've seen over uh, recent times. Three and eight. All right. Three and eight over their last eleven games, yeah, including the midweeks, right? But that includes yeah, the, the UAB and the Georgia Tech. That, that includes the midweek. Three and eight over their last eleven yep. games. That that's not good baseball. Um, nope. There's just there's no other way to cut it. That's just not good baseball. That is not championship caliber baseball. Uh, that is not the caliber of baseball that Butch Thompson expects out of this team. And. Uh, you just say, I mean, at some point you just got to chalk it up to like, yeah, this is a bad year. It's it's a team that is lacking in a lot of areas, and I get the injuries are a thing, but there's other areas that they have obviously lacking in. So here's my thing. Get through this season. Obviously, don't just give up on the season. I mean, yeah, let's win some games. Let's try to get the postseason. Let's see if, if you can make a run. But kind of looking ahead, I almost feel like – Butch Thompson may have to do the kind of the route of what Bruce Pearl has done. When when you have a team that does not, uh, I, I don't want to say um, exceed expectations because I mean this baseball team was picked tenth in the SEC, right. which is where they're at right now. I mean they're they're it was a below an expectation, which was kind of low to begin it, with. Right, it, exactly. It, it was the expectations through the media for this baseball team were low. But I think when I'm thinking expectations, I'm thinking what Auburn expects, what the Auburn fan base expects. That don't expect mediocre. 
Um, we expect at least competing for championships. And we've seen teams, we've seen these Auburn baseball teams before that have low expectations in the media uh, surpass that, even get, you know, get to the College World Series type stuff. And, and so I think this is one that has kind of met the where the, the media thought, maybe even a little bit less. So going forward, you're about to have all this brand new stuff going on at Plainsman Park, all this brand new putting seats on the monster, putting seats out in the outfield on top of the performance building, redoing everything down the right foot line. You're about to make you're about to do some great big things there in Plainsman Park. Things that are going to be very, very attractive. It you know, if if things just keep going the way they are, and I and I don't again, I don't want to say that this thing is spiraling out of control, but I mean three and eight over your last 11 games is just not good it, it, that can be corrected but it's a spiral and it's not up <laughs> right it's, it's trending down yeah definitely trending down um it, it's but it, like what bruce pearl feels like he has done with this roster is it's almost kind of just start over it, it, it feels like what bruce pearl did is because he had a team that did not meet the expectations of what he expects what the auburn fan base expects and so he started you know letting guys go uh you know uh and now you've even seen guys that were committed that he's probably saying hey i don't know that you fit the plan that we've got going forward because we've got bigger guys that we think that can come in here and be an immediate player and so you're seeing that and that's what i feel like bruce has done and butch thompson may have to look that way as as well as maybe go back and figure out all right where do we go wrong here where, where did things go wrong? Outside of the injuries, I, we can't control that. You know, with Gonzalez, have, has not thrown a single pitch this year, and he's supposed to be your, your Through one best. game, yeah. Oh, one game, yeah, yeah One yeah. beautiful five innings of shutout ball where we all were reminded what he was right. going to be and then was not able to be this year. Right. Um, it, but uh, you got to go back, you know, go back to the, the drawing board, as they say. Figure out what went wrong, what, can, what we can do better. You know, what do we need to do recruiting-wise? Are, are we not recruiting the right athletes for what we need? You know, what do we want this team to look like? Do You know, uh, figure out where we missed. You know, what are we missing in the transfer portal? What do we need to do to better our position with some of these guys in the transfer portal? And some of it's going to be hard because teams like LSU are shelling out millions of dollars through the Mariucci Bat Company. And so – you know, yeah, you've already kind of against the wall against something like that. But figure out what went wrong, retool, revamp, rebuild, and put a championship caliber team on the field that would exceed the expectations or at least match expectations for what you as Coach Thompson believe you can do and for what this Auburn fan base wants. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we're going to go to the Auburn Bank phone line. A little bit later, birthdays and sports coming up too. You know, Auburn baseball, tough series there at Alabama. Now halfway through the SEC slate. It's about to be now or never time for the Auburn Tigers. But we'll, we'll go ahead and take our first time out. More sports call coming up after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. 
Welcome back to Sports Call on this Monday. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here. Uh, well, your mic wasn't on until you oh. said excuse me, so now no one knows oh. why you said excuse me. But I'm choking on Mountain Dew over here. I mean, ah. he is, but we, again, did did not have you on. So okay, the, po- well, that's good. the podcast record will have no idea what we we're referring to right now, and that's okay. The numbers call us today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 on our Auburn Bank phone line. First up on the show today... James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that uh, Tom PV is over there uh, drinking away at um, Mountain Dew, <laughs> which is one of my favorite favorite drinks to actually drink during the summer months. Uh, you know that that's one of my favorite drinks as well. Oh, absolutely! I almost always have a Mountain Dew in studio, and sometimes all the different flavors. So, yeah, I got the yeah. I got the regular OG Mountain Dew today. Yeah, because uh, my favorite Mountain Dew is the Mountain Dew Code Red or the blue one. My my uh, mine is Code Red too, James. Yeah, but I know that y'all were talking about uh, Auburn uh, baseball uh, last week. Uh, well, when Auburn actually came up here to Tuscaloosa, I was looking at the box scores and I was just saying, what is going on with Butch Thompson and his team? I mean, this is not a team that I would – definitely not have a chance of actually making a bounce back against Alabama. But I think if if they play in the tournament, I think uh, Alabama would lose in the first or second round of the, of the um, tournament in Hoover, Alabama this year. Yeah, Alabama, even despite that uh, win against Auburn, still in the lower half of the SEC. I think there's a clear divider between six or seven teams there in the top and the, and the bottom half. But it was a very unfortunate uh, series for Auburn after picking up the first game. Uh, really needed that series. Now, again, it puts them on even higher alert here for the next couple of series. But unfortunately, after the first victory there to not get another one, but uh, unfortunately two pretty evenly matched teams and the nod went to the home team. Yeah, because I think um, with that uh, game being taken place, well, actually taking place here in Tuscaloosa, um, I think our next game will be at home against Stanford University. So I think that's going to be a really tough uh, test for us at home because I think that's going to be like a sold-out crowd for Auburn. I know we're playing at home in Plantsman Park uh, against Stanford University. So that's a uh, in-state – I think it's like an in-state rival between Stanford and uh, Auburn as well, if I'm – is I'm saying that correctly? Uh, well, yeah, in-state opponent. I don't know if they're big rivals, but Auburn and, and Sanford definitely in the same state. So uh, an in-state opponent, and Auburn lost this type of game a few weeks ago to UAB, so they really uh, cannot afford to, to lose another one. They need to have a good week between the Sanford game and then the Mississippi State series on the weekend. Yeah, because I think with the uh, Mississippi State game that we go up to start Vegas, I think that's going to be an easy an easy test on the road as well for Butch Thompson. And I think that we might have a a 110% chance favorite of winning that game in Mississippi as well. Well, that that sounds strong. That sounds like more if they were playing East Mississippi. But uh, I I think for Mississippi State, they just swept Ole Miss this past weekend. And also the series is at Plainsman Park. So I do like Auburn's chances uh, of being very competitive here in Plainsman Park against a team of their similar similar caliber, uh, but it will not be a walk in the park by any means. 
Yeah, because I think this one, um, I'll, I'll probably say that this one, because I'm actually going to be listening to this game, and I think there's going to be a lot of home runs being hit in the first and second um, innings of the game as well. So I'm I'm actually going to be listening out for those home run hits as well when when they actually, um, you know, get get the ball rolling on. It, well, actually getting the ball rolling in Plainsman Park as well. Yeah, we will see. Uh, usually most Auburn games do involve a lot of runs scored, so that is usually a pretty good bet. What else do you have on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some NBA uh, basketball playoffs today and uh, seeing who's going to take the second round. I, I'm pretty sure that it might be uh, Golden State, and I might see in the NBA Finals, I might see the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors actually meeting up in the finals uh, again as well, and maybe seeing LeBron James actually getting the MVP as well. It is very possible that one of those teams makes the finals. However, they are both in the Western Conference, and they would actually play each other in the next round of the playoffs if they were both able to win. So they cannot play in the NBA Finals, but I know in recent days you had some picks like the Atlanta Hawks potentially going to the Finals or mm-hmm. someone like that. They could play the Lakers or the Warriors, but the Lakers and Warriors have to meet in the Western Conference. Yes, because I think with um, with the playoffs with the playoff standings, um, if the playoffs were today, which it is, if it was today, starting out right now, I would have to say that the Memphis Grizzlies might take the first round of the NBA Finals as well. So I'm just trying to see who's going to actually, you know, move on to the next round as well. So I'm not quite sure on that as well. I do recall that last week you had a Grizzlies-Hawks Finals, although the the Grizzlies are are frustrated because they lost game one to the Lakers yesterday and John Morant got hurt again. So uh, it is not looking good for the Grizzlies, but we will. uh, they play four out of seven for a reason. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, because I do have the Grizzlies actually favorite this time uh, tomorrow and seeing if they're going to actually play a little bit better with John Morant out. So I'm just going to see what the box scores might say at the end of the game as well. And then I'm actually uh, looking into uh, this year's NFL draft and seeing uh, where Bryce Young is actually going to be going first round overall in the NFL draft, so I think he might go with the Carolina Panthers. What do you all think about that? I agree with you. I think Bryce Young will be the first overall pick in the draft. I know that C.J. Stroud has had some conversations with the Panthers as well, but I think he's going to end up going second. So I think the Panthers obviously traded up to draft a quarterback, and I think that quarterback will be Bryce Young. So I do think he'll go first overall, and it'll be interesting to see how many quarterbacks we see taken in the first five or ten picks. Yeah, because I was looking at uh, different, um, you know, the different people that had their own mock draft, and they were saying that Bryce Young was going to go to uh, the Houston Texans or somebody, you know, that needs a quarterback. But I think the Houston Texans don't need a quarterback right now because they got a really good quarterback um, right now. So I'm just trying to see uh, where Bryce Young would go in the NFL and seeing where. Um, if he goes first round overall uh, in the NFL draft, I think I see the I see great uh, opportunities for the uh, Carolina Panthers to actually make it to the Super Bowl this year as well. 
Yeah, I think with, with Houston having Davis Mills as the quarterback, I, I do absolutely think they're going to want another quarterback, and that's why I think C.J. Stroud will go second. And, and for Carolina, again, when you trade up to number one, you, you really need to take a quarterback in a draft like this. And I do think they'll take Bryce Young. I don't know if they'll uh, be on the road to the Super Bowl just yet, but I do think Bryce Young would be the correct pick. Yeah, because I think um, I think Alabama's pro day is this coming up week, so I'm just gonna see, um, you know, what 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 Alabama is actually gonna do for their football season when their season actually starts. So I'm looking at I'm going to be looking at their schedule and seeing like the first three games of their schedule starting out for the 2023 season will be the first three losses of their season as well under uh, Nick Saban as well. Yeah, you know, James, I just don't think so. Uh, I, I think that they're going to end up uh, winning those games. Unfortunately, I don't know every Auburn fan would like to see Alabama lose as much as possible, but uh, I just, I just don't think uh, even without me knowing off the top of my head who their their first three games are, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna have to agree to disagree with you on that okay. one. But, but I certainly respect uh, your opinion there uh, of Alabama losing the Middle Tennessee, Texas, and South Florida. Texas will be an interesting game. Alabama did almost lose that game last year, but I would just be mm-hmm. absolutely flabbergasted if they lost to Middle Tennessee or South Florida. Yeah, because um, when they actually play um, Texas this year, um, if they had their if they have Texas on their schedule this year, I would pick Texas to beat them again. And Middle Tennessee State, mm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be in favor of Middle Tennessee State. I'm not quite sure uh, how how things are going to go with the with the uh, picks. But if it's you know if it's Alabama and they really got a chance of you know beating Middle Tennessee State, then I'm not quite sure if I see Alabama actually making it to another national championship against Georgia as well. Yeah, unfortunately for Middle Tennessee, Mike Shula is not running out of the tunnel for Alabama. It's it's Nick Saban, and uh, Alabama is going to be just fine uh, when they play those games, I think. Uh, if they did lose one of those, I would agree with you that they would not go to the title game, but I think they're going to be okay. Any final thoughts for us today, James? Um, I don't have any final thoughts that I know of, but I'm just going to say – that this is the best birthday Bama had this year and maybe another uh, year to come and see another birthday come around for me. Is is today your birthday, James, or is it later this week? Um, it is actually today. All right. Well, happy birthday, happy James. Happy birthday. All right. Thanks, and I'll talk to you all guys on tomorrow as well. Absolutely. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery. Happy birthday to James there. And uh, thank you for calling us on the show today. We need to take our next time out. More on the Auburn Bank phone line right after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... What? My name is... 
Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Monday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you. Courtesy of our intern, Andrew. Do have one correction. Mississippi State only won two of three against Ole Miss, but they did win the final two, and their loss was just three to two on Friday. So still a successful series overall for State as they get ready to take on Auburn this coming weekend inside Plainsman Park. Still uh, some of their better baseball of the season. Uh, also, again, a happy birthday to James from Montgomery, who just called us. About nine or ten minutes left here in hour number one. So let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up on the show, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, Tom. I heard you're behaving today. I, I am desperately trying to. Sometimes it's difficult to behave, but I'm trying. Well, hey, Ryan, if you don't behave, I'm going to charge you. That's, that's what I hear. That's why I'm trying to behave. I, I don't need to be losing money. And inflation's money. getting higher. So yeah, I mean, yeah, things are getting expensive rate. these days. Hey, did you, Thanks, did you Brandon. Guys, did you guys ever talk to JJ about coming back on the show and come on and talk to him? Uh, yeah, he, he absolutely knows uh, knows that you want to talk to him. I texted him last week when you mentioned him, and he will be coming on the show, but it's, it's not going to be for a little while. So it'll probably be sometime this summer, but we'll absolutely let you know uh, when he is. Did you guys ever – Text uh, Javon Reed and ask him to come on the show or Cadillac. You know, we we did have Travon on the show a, a couple months ago, but we've not uh, we've not had him on since. So we'll have to we'll have to reach back out. Yeah, I need to get Bruce Pearl on the radio. Yeah, uh, we we've done that in the past too. Again, that's not uh, that's not something that uh, happens very often with, with most people. I mean, obviously Bruce is, is very busy, but uh, certainly if we have ever have the opportunity to do that, we will. It's just uh, you know. Coaches of the stature of Bruce Pearl are not always going to be uh, available as often as some others. Well, hey, I heard a little bird told me today was James's birthday. Yes, it and is. So, if James is listening, I'd like to sing something to him. All right. So, here it goes. James, for me, your friend... Matt for Auburn and Casita to you, James. And Tom and Ryan, I like to help for you to help these things. Okay? One, two, three. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to James. Happy birthday to you. Yay. How old is he? I have no I idea. I don't know. I have not asked them. Well, maybe you ask them tomorrow. And says, hey, hey, I got to tell you, I can't believe Auburn lost against Bama because, see, Bama doesn't play very nice in baseball. I don't like their, I don't like their baseball stadium. It's ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I know they renovated it recently. I, I've I've seen it up close. I don't really care one way or the other. But uh, yeah, it was a obviously disappointing series loss for Auburn. Alabama has had Auburn's number in just about every sport this year. It's been bad. Yeah. So, so I don't know if I ask you guys this question. Um, you guys can. Um, well, first, let me talk a little bit more 
Let me first talk about basketball first. I heard that uh, number number twenty five for Auburn. I heard he went to Sanford. What do you guys think about him? You think he should stay at Auburn, or how you think he's going to do at Sanford? Um, I'm not exactly sure. Number twenty five, you said. Yeah, that I can't see the Lior? last name. No, nah, not. I don't know what. No, I mm. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Let me let me double check that, Matt. Um, yeah, no, I thought Lior was twenty four last year. Is twenty five was twenty five Chandler Leopard? I, yeah, I, yeah, but yeah, Chandler Leopard. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, no, I sure. Uh, <laughs> I I know that he was a walk on for Auburn. So, um, yeah, no, all the power to him. Uh, you think like you think he's a stay at Auburn, or how do you think he can do at Sanford? Uh, you know, I mean, I he was a walk on, so he was not going to play at Auburn. It is completely up to him if he wants to play basketball. Then you know he he would not play, not have played meaningful minutes at Auburn. So he is well within his right to go to a smaller school and and try to play. And uh, I know he's from the state of Alabama, so again, just still still getting the stay in state opportunity to play more makes complete sense. So have you guys heard, like, uh, Tom, I can ask you this question. Have you heard if Auburn is going to go after the player from Washington State? And if they do, how do you think that would go with Auburn's basketball system? Are, are you, I know this is Ryan, but are you talking about TJ Bamba? Yeah. Uh, he already committed to Villanova. Uh, I really was high on – on Bamba, but uh, he already made a college decision. So who's Auburn look? Who's Auburn looking for? Do you, do you know in basketball? Yeah, I know that they're looking hard at bringing Devin Cambridge back from Arizona State. Um, Cambridge. So, I was, so, I was, so, how do you, so, so Ryan, Tom, what do you think about Cambridge, Cambridge coming back? I, I, I mean, I think it's very cool that if he wants to come back. Now, I don't know that Devin Cambridge is going to be – uh, thought of as a starter, but if he wants to come in a supporting role, then yeah. But I mean, Auburn's got some big, big fish out there that they're looking at. Uh, one of them is a is a big guy. It's uh, the by some of the rankings have him as the number two player in the country, uh, and they think that's why Peyton Marshall is no longer here because Auburn is real big on him. And uh, yeah, I mean they're doing some work in the portal. They, now they're not doing what Arkansas is doing in the portal yet, but. They're they're definitely got their eyes set on some on some big dudes out there, and Cambridge is one of them. So, so I know that Auburn lost a seven footer. Um, and what do you guys think about that? How do you think that's gonna like the Finn Auburn code? We lost a seven footer that was com- he committed to Auburn basketball, then he went somewhere else, and we've had seven footers before on basketball. Yeah, I, I think with Marshall, it was more of a matter of Auburn's looking at someone uh, of a little bit higher caliber. I don't exactly know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Flory Badunga. 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 Flory. Flory Badunga. Um, he's out of he's out of uh, Indiana. Yeah, Kokomo, Indiana. He's a top five recruit in the twenty twenty four class. So if they're able to land him, you know that that still far surpasses uh, what Peyton Marshall was ranked as. Now, you know that's not everything, but. Uh, obviously, Marshall was a really good player, but again, I, I've heard that that Bruce Pearl had an honest conversation with Peyton Marshall uh, yeah. as, as far as 
kind of insinuating it would be probably best for him to decommit. So I think Auburn was on board with this, too. I don't think this was a complete surprise to Auburn. Hey, Ryan and Tom, do you guys remember we had a seven, I think it was seven foot, a seven foot one player basketball that played the basketball a long time ago? Talking about, uh, I don't know, you could be talking I about a lot of people. Tra- you're not I talking mean, about Trayvon Reed, are no. you? No, he was like this was like a seven foot one or a seven footer. Because Trayvon, there was I know you're thinking of Trayvon Reed, the football player, but there's also like a Trayvon right. Reed. That yeah, was that's a, what about. yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know if I was going back to Mamadou Njai days because Mamadou Njai was seven foot, maybe even seven yeah. one. But hey, so what so what do you guys think about the commitment you got from Alabama? I haven't asked you guys about that. Yeah, the three-star tight end, also an athlete. I mean, look, you know, he is not rated as high as Hugh Freeze's other commits for 2024, but anytime you get someone that was previously committed to Alabama, you're going to take that. If if schools like Alabama or Georgia are recruiting these kids, then the stars kind of go out the window a little bit at that point. So I know Auburn's excited about him. Auburn has, for whatever reason, recruited the tight end position very well for several years, even though that their usage of them has not always aligned. So uh, another good get there. Uh, again, technically the weaker of the five commits that Auburn has so far, but I know Auburn is excited about it. And also, Matt, we've only got about another minute with you in our hour break. Yeah, so like, I, I saw that for football that uh, Auburn, uh, there's some like uh, I think uh, – Offense alignment for 2025. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Uh, I know that they've offered a couple people. They've had visits. I, I'm not sure in this instance which particular person that is, though. So, so, so what do you think about Auburn for baseball tomorrow night? They're playing Sanford, or is it softball playing Sanford? Yeah, baseball playing Sanford and Auburn. Auburn's got to win that game. I do think that they will win that game. Uh, but, again, they've got to be on high alert because they lost a midweek game to UAB. So, with all due respect to UAB this year, if you're losing to them, you can lose to anybody. Who's pitching for Auburn tomorrow night? I do not know. Yeah, they haven't so, said yet. So, 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 will Brent be there at the uh, game probably tomorrow night? Uh, I have no idea. I, not not that I'm aware of. Uh, well, I heard I heard of a softball that JJ and Cooper were at the softball game broadcasting. Yeah, uh, JJ and Casey Cooper were doing the TV on Saturday, and I know Britt did radio all weekend. Yeah, what, is Brent behaving? Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Is, is Brooke behaving too? Uh, Brooks is not behaving. He's getting wet. He's getting married this weekend. Brooks not behaving. Brooks has a thousand dollars. Well, that's a lot considering he's about to have a very expensive honeymoon and and wedding. But uh, I'll let him know. Yeah, hey, 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 listen. I'll try to do the countdown real quick, and then I got to get cleaned up a little bit. But are you guys ready? Yes, we are. Okay. Five, Five four, 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 three, two, two one. one. War Eagle. Hey. Booyah. Beat Bama 69, 99 to 13. Booyah. Booyah. And Bama, come to our field. Watch out. And we're going to give you... Three seconds instead of a second. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, that's uh, we appreciate the phone call today, buddy. Uh, hey, tell Brooke to behave. Will do. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle. That is Matt for Tallahassee, Matt from Auburn, Matt from Casita. 
joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We are out of time for hour number one. A lot more ahead, including more phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Start of hour number two right now here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Tom Peavy with me here this afternoon. Appreciate Matt and James for calling us in hour number one and of course all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the auburn bank phone line auburn bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information your partner your neighbor your friend member fdic equal housing lender give us a call to join sports call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine auburn bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. With that, let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up here uh, in hour number two, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, it's great to hear your voices doing fine on Monday afternoon. Um, you and uh, Mr. Tom Peavy, is that right? Oh, that yes, is sir. correct. Okay, the dynamic duo as always. All right, guys. Hey, uh, first of all, going any further, hey, uh, War Eagle, happy birthday to uh, James. I understand Dave's birthday? Yes, sir. That's correct. Okay. Well, I'm sure he's a little bit younger than I am. So uh, with that said, let's get let's get to it, guys. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. The good and the bad and the ugly. And when it comes to Auburn sports, the good. Softball team had a heck of a pitching duel yesterday with Miss Pitta. Uh, if she doesn't get player of the year, uh, I don't know who, who deserves it when it comes to softball. You guys – Anybody else deserves it? I, I'd have to be familiar with uh, with the, some of the other teams and the stars on other teams. I can tell you that she's uh, won Pitcher of the Week a few times, and so I know that uh, pit, Pitcher of the Year is very possible. Uh, and I'm not sure some of the heavy hitters or other heavy players on some of these other teams, but I know Maddie has meant a lot to Auburn. She's been dominant in the circle all year long. Well, she's uh, the good. Um, I love that, uh, that, that uh, I guess, a walk-off uh, slide to – Home base uh, uh, in the uh, in the was it ninth, in the ninth inning? inning yeah, yeah. Isis yeah. Trezvik made, made yeah. that slide. Yep. And even more good was hearing the passion play calling from Mr. JJ Jackson himself. Yes, he did uh, TV on Saturday, and then he did radio with Britt on Sunday. Yeah, so uh, it was good to hear his voice back again. All right, 
uh, another good uh, was uh, this. I just saw over the weekend that uh, Mr. Walker Kessler is one of three rookies named to NBA Rookie of the Year finalists. That is correct. You guys knew that, right? Yeah. He, he's, he's had a heck of a rookie campaign. Yeah, and I saw this astounding uh, efficiency, 72% shooting. Yep, I mean, you know, obviously all those were right around the rim, layups and dunks. But, uh, yeah, he, um, he he exceeded any and all expectations this year, and he was really, really good for Utah and uh, very excited for the career that Walker might be able to have. Yeah, you'd think that was probably a good trade uh, made by Utah, right? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota, I mean, I, I don't want to go too much in the weeds and bore people, but Minnesota, just to get Rudy Gobert, when Walker Kessler was not even supposed to be one of the best parts of that trade for Utah, I mean, that is just going to look like an awful trade for Minnesota and a great trade for Utah. And the other two contenders are who? Mr. Banchero and uh, Jalen Williams. Guys, uh, do you see Walker Kessler having any really realistic chance of winning it? No, it, it will it will be Paulo Bancaro from from Orlando. Uh, Kessler might finish second over Jalen Williams. I think that's the Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. He plays for the Thunder, um, but but uh, I I I think Bancaro will will win Rookie of the Year. He was a, a constant presence for them. Orlando, uh, kind of like Utah, was much more competitive this year, uh, and I I think Bancaro does deserve to win. I think he will. All right, and guys, I don't know the answer to this. I haven't Googled it, but uh, maybe you guys are a lot smarter than Google. Do you know if any Auburn rookie basketball player has ever won Rookie of the Year in the NBA? Oh, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know Charles Barkley would, would be the one that people would think of. I don't know if he was the Rookie of the Year that year or not. Obviously, he's Auburn's best player to ever play in the NBA, uh, so he's your first thought. I know that Auburn's had some success with some other guys uh, at times. Marquise Daniels was good early in his career. Uh, I I don't I don't know if Auburn has a rookie of the year. I, I, we'll double check that. If, if if my guess would be Charles, if anyone. That's the other guess too. All right, let's move on to the. Uh, shall I say elephant in the room? Sure. You know, if you're an Auburn sports fan, which I am, uh, being an Auburn sports fan is tough, but it's also not for the faint of heart. I was about to turn off the TV set Friday afternoon, Friday evening, when we were winning eight to nothing, going to the top of the uh, ninth inning. Uh, no, bottom. Uh, yeah, the bottom of the ninth inning at Alabama, eight to nothing with one out. I said, "This game's over." I told my daughter, "I was about to turn it off, and what happens? What happens hits the fan, right? Yeah. We were hitting, we were hitting batters, walking batters in. I said, "Good God, can we not get two outs?" Uh, think we won eight to four but i guess that was a foreboding of what was to come we only made what three runs in the next two remaining games guys uh i mean it looks like if we can't have a uh a uh, a good hitting day uh we'll have a good pitching day we'll have a good pitching day we have a bad hitting day um they can't get together can they well i mean i think that was the first time in a while that the the bats had not uh, brought it together. I, I think that there have been far many more rough pitching days than there have yeah. been bad hitting days. So inevitably, at some point, the, the hitters were going to have an off weekend because that's a part of baseball. It's just very unfortunate that. But why? Why? Because why it's sports, Alabama? Steve. Like I mean, Alabama. Alabama's not a uh, somehow uh, a juggernaut uh, in in 
in SEC baseball. They're one of the, the bottom feeders, and we couldn't get but three damn runs. Steve, I mean, again, that's why they play the that's why they play the games, man. Like I, I like I understand it's frustrating. I understand that Alabama and Auburn are, are on the same caliber, same tier. But, you know, that, that sort of thing happens. I, I promise you that the teams that lose to Auburn this year are not going to be very excited about losing to Auburn this year because of Auburn's poor standing. And so I, I, I understand the frustration of, of finally having a little bit better pitching and, and having some opportunities there. But uh, we had talked about the run that the hitters have been on in like 14 or 15 straight games of scoring five runs or more, and that was bound to come to an end at some point, whether it was against a great team or not. I mean, again, that that is baseball, that is sports, that is life, and if you could perform the way you wanted to every single time, then you would make all the money in the world doing whatever you wanted. But unfortunately, that's just not how it works. And I don't know if this is true or not, but we must have one of the – best statistics when it comes to economy best into having double plays. Yeah, they hit. We hit into more double plays right. on Saturday than Aquit uh, County. And that's some tough luck, too. That's that's tough luck, too. Gee, my knee. But then I said, okay, maybe we're not that bad uh, when it comes to being sick bit. I was watching Florida. Um, who were they? Who did they play the weekend? I was it Georgia or Vanderbilt? I think Florida played Georgia this weekend. They were winning 10-6. to six. And then got outscored in the inning. I think it was the eighth or ninth inning at at Florida, thirteen to six. I mean, thirteen to ten. Did they end up winning? I don't even see the final. Uh, do you know which day of game that was, by any chance? I, I think it was Saturday. Uh, I saw the scores ten to six, and then I saw the update that apparently Georgia scored seven runs. Looks in like their inning. Looks like it. Hmm, I don't know. Florida won on Sunday, eleven to six. They won on Saturday, two to one. Let me see Friday here. Was it, Friday uh, it was Friday. Georgia won thirteen to eleven on Friday. I'll be darned. So even a poor Georgia team uh, beat Florida at their place. Yeah, and I mean, again, uh, that is that is baseball. That's why they play so many of them. If it was yeah. obvious who the best team was based off of just one game, these teams would play each other once and they'd move on. But Again, that's that's a part of the random outcome basis of baseball. Yeah, uh, the randomness of stuff is a uh, all right. Uh, and then uh, Coach Thompson's comments to me just leaves me scratching my head here. We're halfway through the season. His comment that had me going says, "We've got to continue to grow. If you're not where you want to be and can't get the job done, you have to keep fighting, keep going. Really, that's it." I mean, th- nothing's <clears throat> wrong with that. Yeah. What, what's wrong with that? I mean, you do I have mean, to get better. I mean, come on, Einstein. We all know if you know where you want to be, you got to keep going. But this is the middle of the season, and you haven't figured out how to, you know, uh, undo this, this, this crap that's been happening. You just have to keep fighting. Well, who's going to not say you have to keep fighting? Well, yeah, but I mean, I I don't know what else he's gonna say unless he just, unless he unless unless he just specifically starts throwing people under the bus, which you don't you never want a coach to do that, to start throwing his own players under the bus. Um, but yet now he yeah he's he's right. You you got to keep fighting. And the thing is is because there has been the, the inconsistencies there. You know, even with the batting, you know. You'll have guys that are like really, really good, and then they'll have days that they're not. And you'll have guys that have not been productive that all of a sudden are productive. And, and it's the same with the pitching staff. And so, instead of just instead of just throwing the season away, throwing his hands up, and going, "Hey, you know what? 
this season's done. We 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 just don't have it this year. No, he's like, we got to keep fighting. We got to keep playing because there's still a lot to play for. And, and that's all he's saying is we can't give up because we had a bad series. We have to keep playing because there are winnable series there. There is still postseason available to you, but you have to keep fighting. You can't just throw your hands up and go, oh, what was me? Well, we just lost a series to a bad Alabama team. Season's over. Let's pack it up and go home. No, you keep fighting. Okay, you keep fighting. I'm saying this right now as an Auburn fan. This is a bad baseball team this year. It's not very good. I mean, it, it just really is not very good. And I said this at the beginning of the show. I, I think that once you get to the off season, that I think Butch Thompson may kind of go that that route of what Bruce Pearl did. Is you kind of sit back and you evaluate what went wrong, and if it means that you have to tell certain players that uh, that that we're going in a different direction, and you might want to look at leaving Auburn, you go in a different direction on on who you're recruiting and how you're recruiting in the transfer portal and things like that, and, and figure out what went wrong and completely reevaluate where you're at as a program and fix it. And that's what Bruce Pearl has done with basketball because you're about to see a vastly different roster. And I mean they're even taking they're even telling current commits like, hey, I don't think you're gonna fit in with what we're doing. We've got other guys we're going in or going other directions we're going. I think Butch is gonna have to do that. And he's about to have all this stuff going on with Plainsman Park that's gonna have it to a level that is going to be very attractive to to these high school athletes or transfer athletes. Uh, And I think that's what he's going to do. And I I think Bruce Pearl's kind of laid that foundation for for what you do when you don't exceed the expectations is you you, – I hate to say clean house because it's not so much clean house, but you figure out who's – Renovate. Renovate. You figure out who is performing at a championship level and to the level of expectations here at Auburn, and if they're not – then they don't fit in where this program is going. Then they then hey, you probably need to think about going somewhere else, and, and that's what he's going to have to do. Because yeah, right now the product that on the, is on the field is just it's not very good, and it's not competitive with the upper echelon of the SEC even remotely right now. Well, uh, then I hope he's also looking at um, the assistant coaches, uh, the pitching coaches, or the hitting coaches. Uh, but, uh, you know, sure, if you uh, have to evaluate we, that too, then then by all means, yes. You, you evaluate we be, everything. I thought we were going to be reloading, but now it looks like you're talking about rebuilding, right? Well, I mean, I, it's kind of a it's kind of a both. I think um, I, he's really going to have to evaluate the the players that are on that roster because there's some that are just not being productive, and if they can't be productive, then they don't need to be a part of the team. Is NIL helping Indy at all with the baseball? Because I know we don't have the full scholarship, you know, uh, that we can give out like Georgia does in other states. There, there, there are some NIL opportunities for Auburn, but there's some other teams out there that have much better NIL stuff going on that Auburn is not going to be able to sniff. And like one of those main ones is LSU. Uh, the Mariucci Bat Company is based in Baton Rouge. The the head, the founder of the Mariucci Bat Company is a former LSU baseball player, and apparently they're offering up lots and lots of money to some of these star players to stick around LSU for a little bit longer and to transfer to LSU. Auburn is not going to be able to sniff that. Um, but there are NL, NIL opportunities there. It's just not as great as some other schools out there. And if we thought you know, we were having it tough now against the current SEC teams, hold all to your seats because we've got Oklahoma coming in, right? And they're they're killing it. They won just just now the gymnastics national championship, 
and I think they're still number one. They're probably going to win the soft. They're probably going to win the softball national championship unless uh, something crazy what, happens. Well, what shenanigans are they pulling? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, they are just historically good in those sports. They they are. If you're if right now in this country, if you're a female playing softball and kind of like in, we've talked about with women's basketball and that South Carolina has become that team, you go and play for Dawn Staley. If you are a, one of the top softball athletes looking to, and you're going to college, uh, Oklahoma is that. that. That is that is the pinnacle. If you get an offer from Oklahoma and they want you to come play for the Sooners, by gosh, that's what you do. And that's where Oklahoma's at with softball. Gymnastics has been a little different because it's it's a lot more competitive. But over the last couple of years, Oklahoma has just been – they've been that team. Um, it's kind of moved around a little bit. But, yeah, over the last couple of years, Oklahoma has just they've, – they've been able to get the superstars in there as a full lineup to be able to win the national title instead of just having, you know, one or two superstars. They get it. They have a full roster. And I don't know. I don't know about NIL or if it's just the fact that their their coach is good and their facilities are good. You know that I don't know. Okay, moving on real quickly. Uh, I see where unfortunately our equestrian team came in second to uh, who? SMU. SMU, eleven to eight. And this is the same darn team that our team had beaten in regular uh, season, fifteen to five. Yeah, but I mean SMU was came in. They were ranked number one, and. Uh, you know, it it is what it is. The chances of Auburn, just because of the way the the scoring and something like that goes, because it's so subjective. Really, the chances of Auburn beating SMU in that national title were like really slim. Because the, really, I mean, we beat yeah. them fifteen to five, and then I read one of our riders got uh, uh, eliminated, and then there was reviews of three oh oh the riders. You know what was that about? I. I I Steve, I honestly don't know. I've never been to an equestrian match. I don't understand the scoring on that, but I do know it's subjective. And so, anytime you're dealing with something that is subjective, when just like with gymnastics, if it's just a subjective scoring system, it's going to be really difficult for you to beat the top team because the in the minds of the judges, the perception, and just the. Uh, you know, they go back and they look at your previous scores, and that's kind of where you start. You're expected to, that you're going to be at this level, and then if you meet that level or even go above it, that you know, it, it's subjective scoring is it's just so difficult to to overcome when it's not just a strictly I'm going to score more points than you or score more goals than you or more baskets. Anyway, it's different when it's subjective scoring. It's 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 difficult to win. All right, moving on. I know I'm going to rush here, guys. How about this quote over the weekend uh, that says, cheaters cheat. People who used to give inducements are still doing that. It's just called the NIL. This stupid thing about it's not pay-for-play, then why are they paying them? They're not paying them for nothing. It is what it is, and I wish we would stop hiding behind NIL. He said, we're the NFL now. We're the mini-NFL. It's just like the NFL. That's where we're headed. We'll never see amateurism again. It's gone. I hate it. I thought that's who we were. It's what college football is. Who said it, guys? I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Who, I don't know who said that. Coach Mac Brown. Oh, Mac Brown. Sorry. Right. Okay. I well, don't know if you guys uh, agree with that. All those comments or not? Um, uh, kind of yes, kind of no. Um, I, 
I, I do think there are things with the NIL that the NCAA needs to be stricter on, and they actually need to grow a backbone and enforce some things because the NIL was not supposed to be set up for – some of the stuff that you some some of the stuff that you've seen with other schools where it's like yeah we're gonna offer you, uh, you know, one point three million dollars to come and sign here and it's not supposed to work like that. It, it's, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought the NIL was only for existing players, not for a possible uh, commitment. It, it's not supposed to be used to induce re- recruits to the school. That that is not what it was designed for, but. Everybody said and everybody knew that when you open that Pandora's box, that's exactly what's going to happen. The rich are going to get richer, and the poorer schools are not going to be able to get the athletes. And, in fact, the athletes at those poorer schools will leave you just as soon as they get a chance to go somewhere else. And and everybody saw that's what was going to happen. Everybody knew that was what was going to happen. But they're damned and determined that the college players have to be able to make money, which is fine. But the NCAA has got to be able to – They've got to be able to kind of put a clamp down on this and and enforce some rules, make some rules with it, enforce the rules with it, and punish schools. If if it's illegal to offer $1.3 million NIL deal to go sign at Ohio State, and if that's illegal, then the NCAA needs to clamp down on that if they offer a kid $1.3 million. But right now they're yep. not. It's just a free-for-all. Yep, and I agree with uh, Coach uh, Mac Brown's statements. And then I read, uh, of course, it's just a rumor, that Mr. Umbaugh, that's name uh, apparently wanted an NIL figure of five hundred thousand dollars to remain, and supposedly Coach Freeze told him go kick rocks. Now, I don't know if somebody's just making that stuff up, but anyway, speaking of money, Officer uh, Charles uh, apparently wants us to leave uh, the uh, Under Armour people and go to Nike. But I think we have a contract uh, to two thousand twenty-five with Nike. Do we not? With Under, uh, with Armour, Under yeah. Armour, I I I don't remember when the contract is up. I I can almost guarantee you, whenever that contract is up, that Auburn will move on, um, just because most schools are leaving Under Armour once their contracts are up. Um, it, that is uh, uh, Under Armour. I don't I don't know if it's necessarily a failing business, but I mean it's definitely on the decline. It's lost its college momentum. At it has definitely lost the college momentum, and it missed out. Uh, it missed out on the NFL contract. Uh, which they thought they were going to get, and so that's kind of hurt them. But uh, yeah, I mean the school, the the colleges that have had Under Armour that have the chance to move on have moved on from Under Armour, and I, I would I would almost be willing to bet anything that once that contract is up, that Auburn will move on to uh, either Nike or Adidas or maybe Jumpman. But uh, you know, I I, I think it, just my personal thought, I think I feel like Nike is where they should go. I just think that's the the bet. I think that's the brand that most of the tops are using right now. Adidas has some issues. Okay. And guys, I know last thing uh, for Stephen, we gotta let Saturday. you go. It's happened on Saturday. Uh, and I thought it was a monumental thing to happen. That's why I mentioned it. In nineteen ninety seven, uh, on April the fifteenth, do you know what monumental uh never to be done again in uh, any major sports except for another team. But anyway, it happened in baseball. You know what happened, right? And Major a- League Baseball. April of ninety seven? April fifteenth. No, I've number forty-two. Head. Number forty-two was retired. Oh, okay. okay. Not just not just for his team, but for all other teams in Major League Baseball. Uh, that's not been done for anyone else, and never will be done. There's one other player, though, another Major League Baseball, not Major League, but another major sports that also their jersey was retired, and no one else uh, number uh, since then, or probably ever, will be retired. Also, who's that other player? 
And what sport was that? I don't know. <clears throat> Do you know Tom? No. Mr. Wayne Gretzky. Oh, okay. okay. Bill Bailey could have told us. Yeah. Bailey, yeah, he Bailey was the only other board. player to have his number retired across every team in the NHL. That's it. Mr. Jackie Robinson and Mr. Wayne Gretzky. All right, guys. And uh, I, I know we don't have enough time, but maybe tomorrow we can talk about that uh, real tragic thing that happened in Dadeville uh, over the weekend. I can't believe that really happened. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to bring it up uh, once we get to our best and worst, but, yeah, tra- very tragic incident there in, in Dadeville over the weekend. And I'm not worried that they've caught anyone arresting one of you guys. I I have seen no news on that. They've been asking if people have information to to reach out. Uh, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I really don't know. They have not they have not announced any arrests or anything. It sounds like it's something that is still under investigation. I would have to think that somebody knows something and that the police probably have an idea on who it is. They're just probably trying to get all their pieces together before they go out and start making uh, arrests on something like that. You want to make sure that you get the right people and all the right people. Yeah, how tragic. All right, guys. Thank you for letting me ramble a lot more today than probably uh, I deserve. So my time is up. I thank you for your time as always. And until tomorrow, have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, tomorrow, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. We appreciate that phone call. We need to head to our next timeout. And appreciate Ward AMC for calling us on the Auburn Bank phone line. More sports call coming up after this. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. Appreciate Retire Ward AM Steve. Brought up a lot of different things that we could discuss in just a little bit. And we will discuss them in a little later in the show. But we do have to, for now, get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today we've got Tony Baselli, who turns 52, former NFL offensive tackle. Baselli was born in Boulder, Colorado, and played college football at USC. Go Trojans. He was a three-top. Thank you for continuing on the legacy. I, I got, I've got to hold it down for yeah, Brooks. There you go. Brooks, he's, he's not here. And he's right over there, too. I can see him. He has no idea that I'm talking about him on live radio right now. And he is now staring at me quizzically. Other than the fact that but, you're pointing at him right. as you're talking. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, Tony Vaselli from USC, three-time All-American with the Trojans in 1995, was taken second overall by the Jaguars, becoming the first pick in the history of the franchise. It's pretty cool. Played only seven years in the NFL, but was a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Member of both the College and Pro Football Hall of Fame. Currently a color commentator for the Jaguars. Tony Vaselli turns 52 today. Marquise Grissom turns 57, former MLB center fielder. Grissom was born in Atlanta, where he was a star in baseball, football, and track. Played baseball at Florida A&M. 
the oh, Rattlers. Go Rattlers. That's right. Go. They are the Rattlers. Where yeah. he was named MEAC Player of the Year in 1988, his sophomore season. He was taken in the third round by the Expos following that season. Made his MLB debut with the team a year later. Played for six teams, including the Atlanta Braves, over a 16-year career. Was a two-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, one-time ALCS MVP, and one-time World Series champion Marquise Grissom turns 57 today. I had no idea he played at FAMU. I did not. I did not either. That's news to me. Boomer Esiason turned 63, former NFL quarterback. Esiason was born in New York and was a star player in football, basketball, and baseball. Played college football at Maryland. Terps! Where he set several school records and led the Terrapins to an ACC title in 1983. He was a second-round selection by the Bengals in 1984, where he spent eight of his 13 seasons in the NFL. Four-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, one-time NFL Man of the Year, and one-time MVP, the best player... Best quarterback in Bengals history until maybe now when uh, Joe Burrow now graces those sidelines. But the great Boomer Esiason turns 63 today. He he got his butt kicked inside Jordan-Hare Stadium in 83 or 84 Maryland came here. And he talks about how miserable Probably of a time. Probably 83 was selected in 84. Okay, so 80 is 83 then. I, I think it's or 82, 82 or 83 anyway. It was one sure. of those Pat Dye teams. Maryland came here, and and he still to the day talks about nice. how much he got his butt kicked inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. The Boomer and Science in 63. We have a bonus birthday. It took place over the weekend. It was on Saturday. But on Saturday, Derek Brown turned 25. Defensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers, formerly of the Auburn Tigers. War damn, Eagle! Wow, that was a tough one for you, Tom. <laughs> uh, Brown was born in Sugar Hill, Georgia. Was a five-star player out of high school. Played college football at Auburn, where he played as a freshman and became a regular starter as a sophomore. Two-time All-SEC selection, one-time All-American, 2019 SEC Defensive Player of the Year, taken seventh overall by the Panthers in 2020, and made the All-Rookie Team that season. Very, very fun player for Austin Scott and J.J. Jackson to watch on their NFL football team week in, week out. Derek Brown turns 25 on – or turned 25 on Saturday. And those are on the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Again, Tony Baselli 52, Marquise Grissom, 57, and Boomer Esiason, 63. And again, Derek Brown turned 25 on Saturday. We need to take one more timeout of our number two. We'll have a few topics for you on the other side of this timeout. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan and Tom with you here on this really beautiful Monday afternoon. Uh, if you could just copy and paste this weather for, I don't know, the next two weeks, that'd be nice, right? I mean, mid-70s, it's, sunny. It's, it is very, very nice outside. If you had one temperature that you just had to go with the, the majority of the time, obviously we live in a world that gets hotter and colder and it's not going to be what you want it to be on January 2nd and August 2nd. But, like, what's the very best temperature? What's the absolute you are the most happy outside if the temperature is blank? Uh, like Any is temperature. It? Any time of year, any temperature. Oh, man. All right, well, so uh, as a all right, as a high temperature, I would yeah. say upper 70s, maybe even 80. But I you get past okay. 80 because that's warm enough that you can dress comfortably. You might even go swimming, might go dip toes in the water, and, and it's nice and comfortable, not right. overbearingly hot. But now low temperature now, I, I, like, I like me some cold lows at night because I like to bundle up, have sure. a bonfire going. So, you know – yeah, mid to upper 30s is a low, high and wow, the, 30s. Okay, yeah. I, I'm telling you, I like to bundle yeah. up around a campfire and and see my breath, and I, I love that. Right, because I, I am I'm at night like at outside night outside temperature. Yeah, but to me that's like night. Like I said, bonfire sitting around a bonfire bundled up, that's fun. I don't necessarily want that in the middle of the day. Middle of the day, I'd rather it be on the warmer side of things. Where, like I said. If you want to go swimming, you can go swimming and be comfortable. Dip your toes in the water at the lake, go fishing, and not have to wear, you know, a hundred layers. And I'm afraid that if you fall in the water, you're immediately going to sink to Davy Jones' locker. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think um, even though I have some little stronger opinions on the inside because I like to freeze when I go to sleep, basically. Right. And I'm never con- like my. I, I'm never comfortable actually putting it the temperature I want to in the summertime because that's going to run the AC bill too high. But I would say outside, a very basic answer for you, 75. Sure. 75 because if the breeze blows, it won't make you cold. But if it does not blow, it's not going to. you're not going to overheat, even if it is kind of humid too. You're not, 75 right. is not going to make you that uncomfortable. Right. Um, I, in general, like things hotter outside and like things colder inside sure so that's why i prefer the summer that's why i committed my life to going to tampa buccaneers games and being 98 degrees in september there with humidity uh as opposed to going north and being 20 uh at the end of the year but i even at night you know i like to be able to walk outside walk out and about and not freeze either so I, 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 as a blanket statement, 75, which is kind of what you get at night in the summer. Yeah. You get those lows in the 70s, and that's awesome. Um, but then you get 95. You get 95 with, like, dang near 100% humidity. Right. And, and it's you're like, just like, just nope. Right. Here's, nope. A, here's some shade to go die in, yeah. basically. Um, and then during the afternoon of spring days like this, this is the 75 we're looking for. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh, just a few minutes left in the hour because I just uh, talked too much about the, the temperature. Um, <laughs> but uh, do want to remind you of a really cool opportunity, Lessons with Lior. Register your child for a chance to win 
A one-on-one basketball lesson for two with Lior Berman, a Mountain Brook, Alabama native and Auburn basketball walk-on. Lior worked his way into the rotation, became an Auburn fan favorite. Visit myaucu.org backslash Lior to enter. Again, one more time, visit myaucu.org backslash Lior to enter. And again, got to do it pretty soon here. Um, and it looks like it's uh, going to come to an end here in a few days. So make sure you get your entries in for that. Tom, only got a couple minutes here, but obviously transfer portal for basketball has been a top story of ours for a while. It probably will be for at least a few more weeks as Auburn is targeting these big names. They're, they're going for them. They've still got to get some more, though. So where are you on, because I don't want to break any other guys down, Devin Cambridge. We know a lot about Devin Cambridge. We know that he's got a visit to Auburn. We know that Auburn's going to end up one of his two or three finalists here. So if Devin Cambridge comes back, how excited are you? What would you want his role to be? Uh, I I would be excited for Devin Cambridge because I think he's a good player. Um I, I think, though, that he would be more a supporting role. I, I don't know that he's going to be a starter. Now, he could be, uh, but I, I would be excited for him. He, he, was, a, he was an electrifying player uh, at times when he was here at Auburn a couple of years ago. Um, I also think it looks, uh, it looks good when, you know, you can talk to other athletes and say, hey, yeah, you know, I went away from Auburn and I came back. You know, that, right. tells, that tells you how great Auburn is if – you know, I I went somewhere else and didn't like it, and I would prefer being in Auburn. So I think he's I think it's great, and all the crystal balls I've seen seems to point that direction that that he may be coming here. I know he was supposed to visit Oregon, uh, and then was supposed to visit Auburn, but all the crystal balls have him coming back to Auburn, and so I, I'm I'm good with it if he can be, uh, you know, even if it's in a supporting role, if he can uh, if he can bring that type of play that we've seen out of him uh, and consistently be, you know, consistent and be a part of what Bruce Pearl wants to do uh, with this kind of a retooling of the roster, then I'm all for it. If he comes back, I think it needs to be a bench role. I I do not think it needs to be a starting role. He did average about 10 a game at Arizona State this year, but I'm still a little concerned about the three ball. Uh, He was obviously regressing in his three years at Auburn. He started out at a percentage you could live with and then ended up like 22%, 23% his last year. Got it back up to around 33% at Arizona State last year. But I, I can't. I don't know if a if a career. I think he's still career below thirty. Right. I don't know if you can rely on him to to shoot into the thirties from three. I love his energy. I love his athleticism. Uh, he is longer than you realize. He's got a pretty good wingspan, right. and so he can guard multiple positions. So I think there's value there, and I I like the point that you made that it's pretty cool to tell people. Yeah, this guy loves Auburn so much that he left it to play with his brother. Yeah. And then after done with that, wanted to come back one last time. You know, that is a cool story. Would be rooting really hard for the guy. But I don't know if you can rely on him to give you the kind of consistent shooting you would want in a starting position, unless you've got like three other just tremendous shooters around him. 
real quickly. Um, other guys to keep a, an eye on: Florida State transfer uh, Matthew Cleveland. He was the Seminoles. Yeah, we'll talk about some of these. Guys oh, we're going to go more. Into, yeah, we will. Hey, we'll have another segment. I, I thought we were done with. It. No, no. I just wanted to get uh, just Devin wanted to get in, Cambridge in. right because that's someone that everyone knows about. We'll tell you about some of the other names Auburn has on their radar, including sure. Matthew the Florida State uh, transfer Matthew Cleveland, as well as the big top five recruit Auburn's looking at. Maybe one or two names. Uh, coming up as well. Stay tuned. More Sports Call coming up after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy, and I'm joined by Tom Peavy. Of course, there is another way to listen to us. If you ever miss something live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Of course, that is the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. A fun show so far, a few calls and a few topics. We're going to continue to stay in the transfer portal, though. Now, the show's staying right here on Tiger 95.9. We're not looking for a new a new yeah. radio station. Uh, but we're going to keep portaling here. I did want to bring something up because we have all, we all owe everyone an apology, okay? Me and Tom and anyone else that's talked portal, okay? Because I, I saw this this weekend, and it changed a lot of things. This was via Andy Staples, okay, and and Tom, this is this goes for us. Like we've probably championed this the most, and this is going to be news to you if you've not seen this tweet. Andy Staples, important to remember, if you wanted to transfer SEC to SEC and play in 2023, you had to be in the portal by February 1st. So this whole spring, we've been acting like, oh, Auburn can go grab a Georgia quarterback or right. an Ole Miss quarterback. They can, but they're not eligible this They'd year. They'd have to do a waiver. Do. Right. Well, I mean, he's he says it's pretty much like, they're no, they can't. That, that is an SEC rule. Right. I think there's still a waiver. There, I think you can still apply for a certain waiver. Uh, and we're talking, this is football. Yes, Yeah. football. Yeah, because, uh, you know, yeah, we had, we had talked about um, – Potentially Georgia's quarterback. Let's just say Georgia's quarterback situation for, you know, let's just say Brock Vandergriff. You know, uh, yeah, he would not be eligible. He's already missed that window. 
but he would have to try to apply for some waiver that they may or may not give him. Right. So at the very least, it, it is not a, guaranteed. It would have to be a non-SEC quarterback. Right. And so we we have to again maybe not reshape the way we think about the portal. Yeah. Because again, Auburn or any other SEC schools can still get those guys. They just can't play on this team without some sort of special circumstance which I'm not going to pretend like I know what the odds would be there. Right. I would I would think not very high. Again, this is an SEC rule. It's not an NCAA rule. The SEC is going to look at that because they realize that the unintended consequence of this is talented players leaving from the, the SEC conference. just leaving the conference altogether. So I think this is something that could get revisited. But for now, it had to be by February 1st if you're an SEC guy going to another SEC school without a waiver. So anyway, did want to – Say that because we've mentioned the possibilities of transfer quarterbacks at nauseum. Yeah, from Georgia, continue. from Ole Miss. Right. You know, we've talked about it. Yeah. Well, and then people have asked, you're like, you know, well, what are the rules? And I was like, honestly, you know, I don't know because there's so many now rules with that of when you can do it, when you can't do it, and you got to do it by this certain time. So it's not quite just the free for all, I guess, that people think that it is. There are some rules in place. And so, uh, yeah, if, if Auburn were to try to get one of, let's say, one of Georgia's former five-star quarterbacks, they have already missed the window and would have to sit out this year unless they were granted the waiver. But I think that's usually pretty difficult to get. And, of course, we don't know for a fact that they will become available. They, well, they yeah. might play good soldier and wait it out or, or believe they might still be in the, the quarterback. I believe – I thought I saw Carson Beck uh, play good football for Georgia over the, over the spring game and – and uh, it, it kind of seems like all signs are pointing to Carson Beck winning the starting right. job at Georgia, which would leave some of those other guys out there. Right. And, and Brock Vandergrift is one that a lot of Auburn fans talk about because apparently he uh, liked Auburn in his whole recruiting process. It was kind of a Auburn tried to get him, they couldn't get him. There were some things there, but you know that window's closed on him now without a some sort of a waiver. You know, Anthony brought this up a couple of weeks ago now, maybe. But honestly, with, with what Georgia's got this year on the schedule, if they just hand the ball off 55 times yeah. and don't fumble it at least twice, I think they're going to end up being okay with the de- with the defense yeah. and all the talent they've got. I mean, this is just one of those years where, uh, you know, they've played some tremendous non-conference games over the last few years. I mean, they've played uh, some big ones. But unfortunately, this year they just don't have that. They, they right. have Georgia Tech and, and no one else. And then their West rotation is always Auburn, who obviously is going through a rebuild right now. And I think all miss is a solid opponent but i think that's the game they get in athens so uh george is going to be well set probably no matter who they choose at quarterback it would just be uh thinking about trying to get uh trying to play in the sec title game what kind of quarterback play to get from that point going forward but so that's the football portal again auburn's lost a couple guys to the portal uh, that we've talked about in recent days want to give your thoughts tom on on the the two or three guys tavarish dawson over the weekend uh jeffrey imbaugh that one's the shocker so I, a lot of people are surprised by that, but here's my counterpoint. He didn't play a whole lot last year. Right. And the defensive line was already not that great, at least at stopping the run. It was good on the edge because Derek Hall made it pretty good on the sure. edge. But and I, if you looked at the depth chart, I don't think he would have started this year either. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I, with, if you read between the lines what coaches were saying, let's put two and two together. They were talking about some defensive line uh, linemen. I remember Mazai Nasili Kiete, the transfer from Maryland. I brought his name up several times. That's someone the coaches really like. That he right. plays the same essential position. Sure. And so, if you're talking about him, and you're not talking about Emba, 
and then you're putting together Embot is in the portal. Like, I think on the surface, uh, there's really only one of two possibilities. Either Embot doesn't like the coaches he's got, right. and they're new, so that's possible. Yeah. Or he doesn't like where he thinks he's in in the depth chart. And, I again, read between the lines of he played like 80-something snaps last year and coaches talking up other players at his position. I, I tend to think it's the latter because, again, there's a I, – again, I, I get that you commit to a different coach, but – Hugh Freeze does not strike me as the guy to lose too many guys that he really wants that's already on his team yeah. without some other reason being present. And maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but we do know he is a good recruiter. That was proven at Ole Miss. He's already getting Auburn back in a much better spot in recruiting. Again, not saying a whole lot from the previous head coach, but <laughs> clearly, clearly making positive momentum that's not been felt. Even the last year or two of Gus. Gus was a really good recruiter for a while, but the last couple of years was not as great. Everyone knows that. Um, so I, I just would not believe that it is all, I just don't like my D-line coach or I don't like Hugh right. Freeze. I, I really think that he was not where he wanted to be on the depth chart. Now, I'm not saying the dude wouldn't have played. I think he would have rotated in some. Maybe he makes an impact early in the season, works his way into more playing time. But I'm just saying at this point in time, Reason to believe, reading the other beat writers, thinking about what the coaching staff has said, I just don't think he was in position to start right now. So, right. But, yes, I get it. There was a lot of expectations when he came to Auburn. Big-time Juco recruit. I get it. I get yeah. it. He was supposed to make an impact. And, unfortunately, he, he will never have yeah. made an impact at Auburn. So, yes, that was eyebrow-raising. But, again, substantively to what it brings to the team, I do not think that's a major loss. Right. Yeah, right, well, and and I'm not saying major loss because of everything that you said, but yeah, I mean, it just it was kind of one of those that was like all out of the blue. Sure, just, it was unexpected. Yeah, was unexpected. there's been others. Um, you know, there's been football players that you kind of you read the writing. I mean, you could kind of see it. You know, if T.J. Finley announced he's transferring, nobody's yep. going to go, "Oh my gosh, I'm shocked." Like, no, everybody right. expects. We'd that. be surprised if he stayed. <laughs> exactly. Um, then there were some other guys that transferred out that you kind of looked at and you're like, who the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But then Jeffrey Emba and like, boom, all of a sudden it happened. You're like, whoa, yeah. What in the world? Like, I didn't see that one coming. But then when you think about it, you're like, it makes sense. But it's still when they all of a sudden, bam, that news popped. You're like, Ooh, yeah. Whether a starter not or not, whether a starter or not, I mean, that at least provided some really, really good right. depth. I, I think Jeffrey Embo's a great player, um, and so he, he was at least providing some really solid depth for you there, and potentially starting if he could get his whatever it was figured out that was not getting him that starting spot. But at least he provided you some great depth there, and you just never heard any rumblings. I, I had not heard any rumblings whatsoever that Emba was not happy with his position, not happy with the coaches, and maybe looking. Because a lot of times you start hearing these little things, these little rumblings about somebody. That one just was like all of a sudden. It was like, ooh, wow. that you Didn't see that one coming. But <laughs> yeah. I, that's, the only, that's the only one that really just kind of jumped out at so me. So far. I mean, yeah. yeah. So far, because there will probably so, be a few more. I, I'm sure there will be. But, again, I and I, I will say this, same as I have said with, with Bruce Pearl, uh, as a as a fan, you have to trust the process. They, they're going to be transfers. There's going to be guys that leave this program because they don't they don't like where their position is at is playing time. There and there some that just don't like this new coaching staff. 
that happens. But you got to trust the process. If 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 you if Hugh Freeze is going to be your coach here, then you've got to trust his process, and you got to trust that there's the potential that he sat down with some of these guys and said, "Hey, listen, you're not unfortunately not fitting where we want to go with this program. I, I'm not seeing you as the plan of what we need." Now it's a little more difficult with football because you have such a big roster and you need such depth there. A little easier when you think of basketball when you go to somebody like Bob and Akinbola and go, "Hey, man, yeah, you might appreciate you for working." Think, yeah, well, you need, man, you're a hell of a cheerleader on the bench for us, but you know you might want to go somewhere else. Yeah, but um, in football, you know, when you lose, I couldn't imagine that they would have gone to Embi and go, "Hey, man, you you might want to go look somewhere sure. else." I, I don't, I don't do think, not insinuate that they did. Yeah, that. I don't think that would happen nope. at all because that is needed depth at least. Um. But I think there will be cut, what cut the fat, you know. Uh, if, if you're not if you're not playing, well, I shouldn't right now not playing because they haven't played anybody other right. than themselves. But if you're not practicing, if you're not doing the things that need to be done at a level that Hugh Freeze and that staff expects, then they will tell you, I don't think that you're, you know, I don't see you being part of our plan moving forward. But as fans, you need to trust that. So if a guy leaves, trust that, you know, it, it'll be okay. They've got their plans for what they want this roster to look like. And there are going to be some curveballs thrown at them. I, I honestly think that Jeffrey Umbaugh, I think it was probably a curveball that they didn't see coming, I would imagine. Uh, but, again, trust the process. Don't, don't get bent out of shape if, if guys start bailing out because that happens every any time a new staff comes in, they're bailing. The one thing that I say, though, with this new staff – is how many players are talking about how much better things are right now. And the, and a lot of these players are trying to be very careful and tiptoe around not just completely throwing Brian Harson right. and that staff under the bus, even though if you read their, read between the lines of what they're saying, it's exactly what right. they're doing. They're just doing it in a publicly appealing sure, way. Sure, exactly. But, you're, but that's where the positive comes is when you hear guys saying – I, I'm, I'm being coached up to a level that I've never been coached here before. And it's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crapping on the other staff. Good job. <laughs> Looks good. We're back to you normal. Know, yeah. I, those are the positives you have to take from this. It, trust that process and, and read between the lines on what these players are saying. You know, when they're singing the praises of the staff, I don't know that I really ever heard anybody sing the praises of Brian Harson and that staff. Maybe one or two may have said, yeah, you know, I like, but. The things feel more positive under under him. So, you know, if if you lose some guys, you lose some guys. But yeah, just just trust that process and and let things play out. Let Hugh Freeze and that staff do what they need to do to get this roster back to what it needs to be and to a level of what Auburn fans would expect it to be. Well, and again, I, th- this transition between Harson to Freeze from Malzon to Harson is different. Auburn was not in a overall poor place when Malzahn left. Right, they were in a stagnant place, yeah. but that's not inherently a poor place. Poor place on the offensive line. I will. I will say. Okay, that. sure, but yeah. I'm saying you know, 2019, you win nine games, you beat Alabama, you're top 15 right. in the country, and then the next year you're six and four. But yeah, that's an eight win team with any other non conference schedule. It's just sure. the COVID year. You go in eight and nine wins the previous two years. You're not in a bad place as a program. You're just not growing at that point. But now, the last two years, 
you're a losing team two straight years because of mm-hmm. your bowl game in in 21 at 6 and 7 and then obviously going 5 and 7 last year you know great I mean, tough math here it's 11 and 14 the last two years and that's not good and that yeah. and that even yeah, even going going 8 wins with Chiswick in what 11 and then 3 wins in 12 that's 11 wins right. in 2 years just put that in perspective so you've now had two pedestrian years in a row poor years in a row and so that's now when you start to go from okay well actually you need to not just slightly improve the things that were going on like after Malzahn you need to now greatly improve and that's a rebuild well you know what's scary to think about is is how close Auburn is to even being worse than what you just read off right there as far as record goes yeah if Missouri makes a 20-yard kick they well, lose well, last well, year. Well, I mean, if he doesn't drop the ball walking into the end zone. Yeah, if they do. Well, I, well, before that, though, it was the 20-yard field yeah. goal that they're all SEC kicker. Yeah. They positioned him in the middle of the field to make a 21- or 22-yard field goal. Yeah. And, and then that happened. Yes, the, the drop it happened in overtime, but they yeah. wouldn't have even been there right. if Mevis didn't miss that kick. The Mevis so who that's never a, misses. That's an Like L. you said, yeah. Uh, and, and then you go back and you look at the Georgia State game. T.J. Finley has to come in. On fourth down. Fourth down and forever. Scramble for his life and just throw a blind Was miracle. Georgia Southern watching that? Yeah, you know, throw, throw a Might just, be interested. You know, heave a desperation thing in the end zone that gets caught for a win over Georgia State. Yeah. That's the level of where Auburn had gotten in football. And so, yes, it had the potential to be a lot worse than even what it was because you'd have had an epic disaster loss on your resume to Georgia State. Yeah. And then – you know, Missouri, who was really a poor football team. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, again, I we were so thrilled to see Cadillac coaching them to just be competitive yeah. <laughs> in the last month of the year. Was, I'm laughing out of some sort of pain because that's how rough it gets. So the point of that saying, then we're going to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, the point I, I'm making here is that – you might bleed some players, as is natural from A, the portal, and B, new coaching staff. But as Hugh Freeze has talked about, there is, and he's not just, I know it's public posturing, but he's not wrong. The 24 and 25 recruiting classes will tell the story of what Hugh Freeze right. becomes at Auburn. Auburn will not be what they want to be this year. No. And that will not be an indictment on Freeze. That will not be uh, a, a telltale sign that's going to be terrible, unless they go like, Three and nine, and they lose to something right. unbelievable. Sure, but almost any record around six and six, you can understand because that's what they were the last two years. You do that long enough, that's what kind of talent you've now got. We clearly know that from the lack of recruiting the last couple of years, and so is I know everyone wants to just go as high of expectations possible, we'll get there, Yeah, but you have to grow first. And Auburn's sure. now in a legitimate position where there is real growth that has to happen. And so, yes, you lose some guys that you had high hopes for coming into last year or whenever. Sucks, but just know that most of the guys here right now are not going to be a part of what makes Auburn great in a few years. Right. Like, yes, they can lay some foundational work, Someone can say, oh, I watched Jarquez Hunter run for 1,500 yards in 2023. I want to be a part of – I want to be in that running back room next. Okay, whatever. There is some of that. But 
in your 24 and 25 class, that's what's going to dictate the success in 25, 26, right. 27, et cetera. It, you can always go back and look, and there's usually uh, – it's typically like a three-year span. It's like a, a section of three years. Um, it can't happen in two, but if you have just an absolutely atrocious recruiting class, usually two or three years later is when you really see the effects of that, and that happened – uh, that happened with Tommy Tuberville on one of his last years, and it has happened before. We've had a just awful class, and then two or three years, it, it, you're in the dumpster. Same thing happens when you have an amazing recruiting class. You can have some success that first year, but it's usually that second year and especially that third year when that freshman class are juniors, that's when you like really see the effects of it. And that's why I've warned people about the whole Texas A&M thing with that class that they brought in. But yeah, they were so terrible this year. It's like give those give those. Well, of course now they got to stick around because they they've lost, lost half. Of they've them, yeah. lost half of them, so now that's kind of out the window. But typically, when you have a recruiting class like what happened at A and M, it usually takes about two years and sometimes three when they would be juniors and you start getting them as upperclassmen with SEC and, and playing experience. That's when they really be, become good. But like I said, the the same thing happens if you have a a class that's not even in the top 25 and it's kind of towards the bottom of the SEC, two years later when that group are upperclassmen, then you're on full-on struggle bus at that point because that was your recruiting class. That was the future of your program that was not even a top 25 class. And so now when you get those guys as sophomores and juniors, then you're usually in the dumps. And, right. and so right now Hugh Freeze is in that point of we got to get this class now to be able to be – good and competitive right. in two years. Right. Exactly. All right. 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 Let's go back to the Auburn Bank. Phone line. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins us. Jeff, how are you doing? Just great. Man, you're right. This is a beautiful afternoon. I hate y'all are stuck inside. You need to get an outside remote on days like this. Shoot, so, yeah. Yeah, shoot. I tell you. Hey, maybe a fishing tournament. What about that, Tom? Uh, I'm sorry, the what? Fishing uh, tournament. Fishing tournament. Oh, I, 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 I'd love to be on the water right now. This is, yeah. this is like perfect bass a, weather. Yeah, a pontoon boat. You could have a remote going up and down Lake Martin. Shoot, hey, yeah. um, we'll just put us all in some uh, kayaks. We'll do, we'll... Yeah, yeah, heck yeah. Hey, I was just calling, and I've heard Anthony and everybody else say before, and it's the truth. I, I've, um, Georgia has a very weak schedule this year. But then again, when you're the number one team in the country, you're going to be the favorite going into any game. Sure, right? yeah. So, well, you would think. But um, wasn't Georgia supposed to play Oklahoma this year? I think the SEC. They might have. And it, 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 it yeah, was a, and they were told not to. Because, because they're joining the league, Oklahoma yeah. Was, they're joining the league. So, Oklahoma-Georgia, that would have been pretty competitive. It's not like Georgia called that off. True. Uh, you know, so. And, like, if Georgia were to play, okay, what, Texas A&M, LSU? Would that, uh, I guess that's what they're looking more for is people want Georgia to play either Alabama or LSU out of the West every year with Auburn. Right, right. Would, only, would be the only way they could make it. Uh, you know, you can't even put Texas A&M in there or anything like that. I mean, Cal, Cal is not a great game for Georgia. If Georgia were to 
go play Cal, would anybody be excited about that other than that he gets to go to California? No. No, I don't think so. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's when – and Georgia's been there before. When Tennessee and Florida were good, you know, oh, they don't get any respect because they got to play Georgia. You know, nobody expected, you know, Tennessee, you know, we'll see, you know, one year. Is he a one-hit wonder or what? We don't know. But uh, um, Florida, you know, it, it's just kind of like the game, what was it, Penn State and Auburn last year. Right. By name, it should have been a marquee game. But it, it wasn't. Right. Just because, you know, on both. that's where Georgia's at right now. They can't play everybody. And I guess that's what this playoff is supposed to do is uh, – Get more, you know, top twenty matchups and stuff. So I decided I'd call in and say that because I knew they were. I swore it was this year that they were supposed to play Oklahoma, and you know, uh, they. I, I knew they told them not to just because. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe they were trying to get them out early. Uh, so you know, trying to get Oklahoma out of their conference deal early by not having a key matchup with Georgia and Oklahoma? Yeah, so so what the reasoning, I believe, was, and I, get, I did confirm that it was supposed to be 2023, is it was supposed to be a home-and-home, and, home, and they can't fulfill both sides of the home-and-home home since the second year was going to be... I think they did. Uh, right. I'm, I'm sorry, I go thought they were supposed to come. I thought they were supposed to come in 26, even before they canceled it, is what I thought, but maybe not, but... But that makes sense if Georgia can't go there. But I'm man, I'm all for it. I'm man, let's but I don't I don't necessarily agree with a spring game though. I mean, what if you take uh Georgia Southern as your scrimmage game and you look bad against Georgia Southern, you know, that's not gonna be a lot of co- I mean, from April to July, everybody's gonna be depressed. So why not just beat up on your own players? Half of them aren't going to be there by the time the season starts anyway. So you basically be scrimmaging against another team. Well, that, that certainly is a counterpoint to what we've been talking about. But I think you already get some of that anxiety uh, if you're really ingrained in the team when you start to see, oh, well, I don't know. Now I'm concerned about the defensive line that we have or I'm concerned about right. the DBs. I think the thought is, yeah. is that you know each other so well. You know, you're just not, you're not getting a real – picture even amongst the coaches and maybe where you're at but at least if you're playing someone else you get a reference point now again it, like you're right if if georgia or auburn or someone played a smaller school in state and got beat or barely won and, and didn't look good then yeah i mean for four months it'd be like oh no you know what's this about to be but i think coaches would rather have that because they want to see how they're stacking up to the other teams even if they're Below, in lower competition rather than, all right, let's watch the scrimmage we've already done five times. It's just this one's public. Hey, and another advantage, I guess, it could be is you might find somebody that shocks you and you can dang try to get them out of the transfer portal. I mean, <laughs> you can talk to them at that time in the locker room or something. Anything's possible uh, in know. this day and age. Yeah. Hey, is, is, is Brent there today? He's not. He's calling a Smith Station softball right now on 93.9. But, um, have either one of you played high school football? Uh, I have not. I I did not. Okay. I, I played other sports in high school. 
Now, I played until I was a sophomore, but I'm just curious, and I was going to get Brent's opinion, is how do – I don't remember taking it easy in practice, you know? But I guess everything has changed, you know? I know our quarterback played every play and, and stuff like, you know, uh, our defensive backs would tackle and stuff like that. But, you know, that's high school, of course. But – um do they really take it that light at a, you know, the big name high school colleges, or, or let's just say a high school like Hoover or even Opelika or, or Central? Sure. Are there quarterbacks out there and the running backs and the receivers not getting touched every play? I I don't know. This is speculation, and someone else that's listening might know better, but. I would think they don't hit the quarterbacks, but everyone else goes live, like right. like you would in college. I would I would speculate. I don't know. Maybe the quarterbacks do go live too. I, I but I don't know. Uh, typically, the quarterbacks are not live in in those practices. I mean, from my times covering with the Opal like Auburn News, all the practices I went to, I don't know that I ever saw a quarterback getting hit. That's just what you have to do. I mean, that's your quarterback. You 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 you, you let your quarterback get hurt in practice, and now all of a sudden you're behind eight ball yeah. when you don't need that to happen. Right, you're going to be looking for a job as a coach or a PE teacher or something. Exactly. But and also, does do I guess that's hard. Um, say the Auburn starting offensive line, they play against Auburn's starting defense or practice against their defensive line. Yeah. Do they know the plays? I mean, our coaches would sit there. Okay, run the game. We got twenty thirty red hot on one. Ready? Okay. So, do I wonder? I mean, do they? Do they take it? Do the linemen block? I guess is what I'm getting. To. Do they? Are they actually? Are the linemen and the tight ends the, about the only ones that are being physical? I guess is what I'm looking at. It, Can the linebacker come up and tackle the running back? Yeah. So so in the in the practices, um, I okay. When well I'll say this in the practices, it's different in like the A day because I mean they do tackle, but I mean a lot of times in those practices, uh. They will come up and make contact with just say a running back, but they're not going to throw them on the ground. They're not going to crush them into the ground. Once they kind of right. get them wrapped up, they'll blow the whistles, and it's like it's done. Now, right. uh, in the trenches, point of contact, they, they're getting after it. They, they ain't no right. doubt they are getting after it in the trenches. But when you get your right. skill guys out, it's usually if you once you wrap them up, they're going to be blowing the whistles. Well, I guess, and that makes sense because the skill, your offensive line. They need that practice to push those players out of the way. That is their training. Where yeah. running back or a receiver, a re- receiver would be to get open, sure. you know, and catch the ball and the running back to get through the line and, hey, okay, you went nine yards. Great. You know, we'll take it every day. Yeah. Okay, that makes 100% sense. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate you all taking my call again. And, man, I guess it just seems like football season because the – the spring games are over, but I guess we still got a few more months. But yes, hey, we do. We'll, yeah. we'll find something. We'll find something to do during the dead period, right? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. All right. Thank you all again, and we'll talk to you all later. Appreciate that phone call, Jeff. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, and again, I was not saying Georgia did not try to schedule anyone because okay, there's that Oklahoma proof. Right. My simple point was, hey, you know, Florida's down right now. And South Carolina is not where they want to be yet. No. You're really just kind of looking at Tennessee in the East. Kentucky's cute, okay, but Kentucky's not got the horses or the dogs, right. if you prefer, that Georgia does. 
And Vanderbilt. Then, yeah, Vandy's <laughs> good at baseball. Keep doing you, Vandy, Vandy boys. But hey, their their women's team won their bowling national championship, and they can bowl. Yep. And they can bowl. That's they, awesome. They won the bowling. It's not going to help them tackle Georgia's two hundred and twenty pound running backs, but it's right. great for bowling. And so, again, the only point was is just as a matter of fact, yes, they've got a better time of it this year. Now, obviously, when you when you play, and this is what happened with Alabama, has always happened with Alabama since Saban got there, is when you have them on your schedule, that is very tough for you, but not tough for them. They are what makes it tough for other schedules. So I get that point. I'm not saying that you know Georgia didn't try and how could they and blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying that this year, because of the lack of the non-conference game, as done by the SEC, because right. they didn't want the home-and-home home to happen, the second part of it, while Oklahoma was a potential conference member, which they will be in 2024 because of that, and because their arch rival Florida is not the Florida we've been used to for the last three decades. Right. You know that that makes for an easier mix of things. So again, not not trying to say, oh Georgia, how could you? I was just saying that's kind of how it, it's going to be for them this year. But hey, once you start the nine game schedules, assuming we get that, uh, then everyone's going to have. A lot of fun each and every right. year playing a lot of different teams. So, again, just wanted to clarify there. I was not trying to attack Georgia's scheduling or anything like that. All right, we are about out of time for the show. We need to take one final timeout. We'll be trying to get a very quick best and worst of the weekend. We're not going to have time for basketball portal. I'm sorry. We talked a lot. Football portal yeah. got the way. Tom's going to be on tomorrow. We'll try again tomorrow with basketball portal. Absolutely. And, and maybe Matthew Cleveland will have committed somewhere by then. And then we'll be sad or glad. I don't know, but we will get basketball portal in uh, very soon. But when we come back, best and worst of the weekend, we'll wrap things up on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final few minutes of Sports Call today on this beautiful Monday. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. It is a beautiful Monday. We've now a call in the field confirmed. You know, we had yeah. Jeff from Columbus call in, say that we all need to be outside today, do an outside show. I concur. That would have been nice. It would have been. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we. I will say this. I'll take what I can get because there's not much more depressing than getting done with this show in the afternoon and it being pitch black outside. Right, at least there's daylight. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll yep. take what I can get as sure far as that's concerned. But all right, just a few minutes left in the show. We will have a nightly TV guy in just a few moments. But let's first recap the weekend with the best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. All right, I will go first. I'll go best this week uh, to start out. It's not your best. Don't worry. There's no stealing of best. I told you off the air. You better not take it after I told you. Come on now. Of course not. (laughs) My best is someone finding the fountain of youth, and that is the great Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown's still a color commentator uh, for ESPN in the uh, NBA on ESPN. He was a head coach in the NBA for a long time with several different stops. 
Hubie Brown is working the Cavs-Knicks playoff series, and he began this weekend. Hubie Brown is 89 years old, and he is still as good as it comes when it comes to breaking down the game of NBA basketball. And there are, I mean, I look, I've uh, had a death in the family recently, and uh, we all know that as he ages, just things just get difficult. Sure, but for someone to be doing something that pristinely at the age of eighty-nine, and to even want to do something like that, and not just just kind of sit and relax and enjoy uh, your time with your family, to go be traveling and doing all that stuff. Breaking down NBA basketball, national television, great for Hubie Brown at the age of 89, continuing to be really good at what he does and have energy and passion. There was a dunk on that game Saturday by Evan Mobley that got Hubie so excited. It it was kind of a joyous moment for Hubie that he just loves the game that much. And so good on Hubie Brown for finding the fountain of youth at 89 years young. Your best. Your best. Okay, going best first? Yes. Uh, that was not my worst. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very good yeah. thing. Um, all right, so best. I, I and I'm I'm gonna break the norm. I got two best because I but I got to mention both of them. They're just both really cool. Uh, my first best is uh, uh, John Rice Plumley, who is now at Central Florida. Most folks remember him from uh, Ole Miss. He is now at Central Florida. Uh, heck of a day on Friday. He started out with the baseball uh, baseball team, and he had two hits, including a two run triple as Central Florida won twelve to three over Memphis. As soon as that game was over, he hopped in a golf cart, took a ride to the football facility or to the stadium or whatever, changed uniforms and played in the spring football game, and then threw two touchdown passes, one being to former Auburn Tiger Kobe Hudson. So two hits, including a triple, jumps in a golf cart, and then proceeds to throw two touchdown passes in the spring game. So quite the busy day for him. And then another best, I have to mention this because I am such a Montgomery Biscuits fan. Uh, the other day, that uh, they had their fourth no-hitter in Biscuits history. Sean Hundley, Jeff Belge, Emmanuel Mayha, and Graham Spraker combined for the fourth no-hitter in Biscuits history against the Tennessee Smokies. So, there you go, Biscuits. Butter, butter up. <laughs> Hashtag butter up. Oh, that's awesome. All right, time for the worst. I'm going to go first because your worst is more serious than my right. worst. Uh, my worst is the product that NASCAR is putting out on short tracks. Short tracks used to be the most entertaining races in the sport, particularly Bristol Motor Speedway and Martinsville. They were at Martinsville this past weekend. And look, great. Chase Elliott came back. That could have been a second best for me. Great to see NASCAR's most popular driver uh, and a former champion back in the race car. However, the product at Martinsville and at these short tracks, because of this new car that's now in its second year, has greatly deteriorated. And it is causing a downfall in NASCAR's TV ratings after finally gathering some positive momentum post-pandemic. It was the first sport back. It got some momentum a couple years ago, and it is now squandering the momentum because NASCAR has put out a horrible race car that is actually all about better funding for the teams and about what's easier and more even for the teams rather than actually requiring skill in the race car and requiring the ability 
to, to be able to pass and maneuver a car and, and use poor handling cars and still function well with them. Uh, it has been so hard to pass at some of these tracks that it's been all about qualifying and track position rather than skills in the race car. And that has greatly watered down the product at short tracks like Martinsville. So again, bad on NASCAR for not realizing that there is a problem with the aerodynamics package of the new race car and particularly at short tracks. Now on to a much more uh, human uh, issue here uh, with Tom's worst. Yeah, I mean, worst of the weekend. And I mean, it's something that affects this entire area. And that's the tragedy that happened in Dadeville over the weekend with the uh, shooting at a Sweet 16 party that uh, took four lives and injured so many others. Uh, So many people affected by that. And, uh, man, it's just such a tragedy. It's one of those things, I mean... you get, you hear about these things happening in big cities. You hear it, it sounds like almost a daily occurrence in places like Chicago. But when it hits a town, you know, so close to here like Dadeville, it, it really becomes effective. And then in the sports world, I mean, one of the one of the fatalities was a young man who was a star athlete at Dadeville was uh, uh, signed, I guess, to to play JSU. at yeah. Jacksonville State. Uh, and he unfortunately lost his life in that uh, at his sister's Sweet 16 birthday party. Still, they're trying. To, they're investigating. Uh, you know, they haven't announced any arrests on it. They don't know a motive on it, or, or at least they're not releasing a motive on it. But uh, senseless, just just a, an ap- absolutely senseless tragedy that somebody would go and just uh, commit such a violent act on such a happy time, and probably for absolutely no reason other than some quarrel that somebody was having and that and you know and i haven't heard that's the other thing because they haven't released it i don't know if it was somebody targeted that or if it was something that they knew the people there don't know either way a senseless senseless tragedy that just doesn't need to happen in in today's society but unfortunately that's where we're at and it's just sad definitely a worse for everybody a worst, absolutely. Dadeville, if you're not familiar, which I'm sure the vast majority of listeners are, is only about 30 minutes from yeah. here. And uh, it's right off of 280. I go past it every single time sure. going up to Birmingham. And uh, that is. Uh, it's the first town you come to before you get to Alex City. Yep. I mean, it's on Lake Martin. I mean, yep. it's pretty much on Lake Martin. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's heartbreaking. One, one of the other. Uh, one of the other uh, folks killed in that was an Opelika graduate. And so, I mean, there were folks from the area, from Auburn, Opelika, that were there for that party. Um, just, like I said, senseless tragedy. And there's there's no reason for that. Just absolutely zero reason for that to happen. Yeah, true. a true worst of the weekend, true worst of the month or year. Um, for all those people involved, just just are awful for sure. Just a few seconds left here in the show, real quickly. A nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. The NHL playoffs start tonight. The Florida Panthers and Boston Bruins, Boston with the best record ever in the regular season in hockey, six o'clock on ESPN. More NHL playoff at six o'clock. Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders on ESPN2. Atlanta Braves at 8.40 on Bally Sports Southeast against the San Diego Padres. Uh, Brooks put on PBA Bowling at 6 o'clock on FS1. I'm going to tell you about the Brooklyn Nets right. and the and the uh, Philadelphia 76ers at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings at 9 o'clock on TNT. If you want a movie pick, 6 o'clock on Freeform, Grown Ups 2 yeah. for you, and that is the nightly TV. If you are a bowling fan, it will be on TV. There you go, Vandy. Congratulations. Fandy, <laughs> look at that. Uh, six o'clock again, uh, Grown Ups 2 on Freeform. That is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw. 
Hard seltzer, and that will do it for the show today. Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here. And of course, we thank all those that tuned in. A short show tomorrow. We'll be off air around 4.45, but can't wait to talk to you again then. For Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>